All right, you guys, back to the front of the room, if you would, please. So I got a couple stories for you real quick, okay? Peyton, none of this over there, Peyton. Come on now. <laughs> All right, so I did martial arts for a lot of years. And I'm going to give you guys two examples tonight of martial arts, okay, in, in my life. I got to be almost a blue belt. I was a purple belt. That's about halfway to your black. And we had Ed Parker was the guy's name, 10th degree black belt, come to town, did a seminar, right? So we're all there, and of course, the testosterone flowing like the Yellowstone River, of course, in the room, right? So we all go back to our studio, and we're going to go back to our place, our building, and we're going to spar for a while, right? And I'm probably about 24 years old when this is going on. And I, I'm getting to where I can actually defend myself and fight. So when I fight guys, they've actually got to pay some attention now, because otherwise I'll sting them or they sting me back and forth, right? <clears throat> Fighting a guy named Bill Hooglum. Bill Hooglum was a brown belt, and Hoogie was tough. He's a big dude, about the size of Jackson over there. He's a big guy. He's about, he's about my age, about 24 years old, and he is, he's really good. Every tournament, see, at tournaments, when you spar, if you're too aggressive and you hit too hard, they disqualify you. Every tournament, Bill Hooglum got disqualified because he always beat on people too hard. So this is the guy, my scrawny little hind ends lined up across, right? So I'm fighting Hooglum, and I'm like, okay. And I'm doing pretty good. I'm holding my own work, sparring back and forth. And all of a sudden, I come in, and it's just me and him, no coaching, no, no instructor, no nothing. And I come in to do whatever it was. I don't even remember what I was going to do now. Sure, it was very impressive, though, whatever it was. And I come in to do whatever it was I was going to do, and he did a rear spin kick and hit me right in the chin right here right there, and I'm telling you, blood started flowing. And I was like, he didn't knock me out. I, I, was, <laughs> I, was pretty, I was doing one of these numbers here and blood's everywhere. And I remember telling Dave Johnston, the instructor, I was like, you okay, you okay? Little bitty black belt guy, just high strung fella. You okay, you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not okay. I'm bleeding everywhere. And I just remember telling him, my teeth don't line up anymore. I just looked at him and said, you'll be fine, you'll be fine, you'll be okay, you'll be okay. And I'm like, no, I won't, my teeth aren't lining up. Well, it turns out I went to the doc the next day. He cracked my jaw here, so I've got 10 stitches down here on the bottom. He cracked my jaw, opened my chin up, cracked my jaw here on the bottom, my chin, and then this joint does not exist in my mouth anymore. He crushed this joint when he kicked me in the mouth. So, but he didn't knock me out. Just saying he didn't knock me out, just for the record. So... No instructor involved in that one, okay? Fast forward till I was probably about 30, 36, somewhere in there, I suppose, somewhere in that age anyway. And I'm working out in town with a guy named Dave Johnston here in town. Dave Johnston, this guy's a different Dave. Dave Johnston was a five-time world champion kickboxer. And this dude could fight. We didn't do belts in Dave's class. I worked out with him for several years. And we never did the belt ranking or nothing like that. He just taught me how to fight. And he taught me more about how to fight and defend myself than I did all the years of martial arts and billings. So Dave decides he, he's going to, he talked me into going to a karate tournament, a sparring match in Rapid City, South Dakota. And I said, Dave, I don't even have a belt. You'll be, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. fine you know, they called him the foot flinging kid. This guy was amazing. I watched him fight when he was younger on video and it was incredible. But anyway, so I got my wife and my kids are in the, in the gymnasium where we're working out where the tournament's at. And Dave Johnston knows how to fight, okay? <clears throat> I'm sparring. Oh, by the way, he sa I said, Dave, I don't have a belt. I got a belt for you. Don't worry about it. And I said, you know, I just made my way up to just barely blue belt, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got this. So we show up in Rapid City. Guess what Dave pulls out of his bag? A brown belt. For those of you that might not know the martial arts industry, there's black belt and then there's brown belt. It's like right at the top of the heap. And I'm like, dude, I am not at the brown belt level of fighting anybody. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. 
So he lines me up across from this guy, right? And I'm fighting this guy, and it's going per, I'm actually holding my own. I won two matches that day, believe it or not. But I'm fighting this guy, and we did something. I can't remember what it was, but there was a break. So I had to turn around and kneel down, and he had to turn around and kneel down. <clears throat> Dave comes up to me, and he says quietly, he says, here's what I want you to do. As soon as he comes out, and you guys see the, the ref says go, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do a, a spinning rear kick. I'm like, why? He says, just, just do a spinning rear kick. I'm like, and listen, my, I was not that talented in martial arts, just for the record, so it wasn't like I was some gonna kick in the head guy. My, my foot didn't pass, didn't pass my waist very often. So I thought, okay. So I come out, line up, and guess what I did? A spinning rear kick, and it worked. It was the most amazing thing in the world. I beat this guy, and when I got done, he's like, dude, you broke my ribs. I'm like, that's so awesome, isn't it? Think about this though. One time, I had an instructor. One time, I didn't have an instructor. When I did what the instructor says, I had victory. When I didn't have an instructor, I had defeat. You picking up what I'm laying down? Because we've been talking about this whole series, right? Is Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. The, the underlying theme of what we got here is we do not fight against flesh and blood but against the principalities and powers of the spiritual realm, right? So tonight we're gonna dig into that a little bit because that's why I named this Suit Up because I wanna talk about the armor of God tonight, okay? I'm gonna read this scripture to you, then I'm gonna break down a few of these things and give you guys back to your small group in just a second, okay? So what I wanna do, if you've got a Bible, turn in your Bibles or look at your bulletin. Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 20 is what I'm gonna read. I'll stop just a little bit along the way here and talk about a few things, okay? So, verse 10. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Stop right there. Be strong in the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord. You know what's crazy about this scripture? When it, well, let me get to verse 12, and I'll go, no, I'm gonna tell right now so I don't forget. In verse 12, we've talked about we do not fight against flesh and blood, right? Paul writes this in chapter six, but I want you guys to go back tonight when you get home, and I want you to read the latter part of chapter five, and the beginning of chapter six. Keeping the scripture in context is important. And Paul is basically telling the Ephesian church how to be good husbands and wives, how children listen to your parents and fathers do not exasperate your children. Slaves listen to your masters, the whole thing. So what he's doing here, he's taking relational conflict, <clears throat> earthly conflict in the Ephesian church, and he's telling them, here's how you behave. And then he goes on to say in chapter six, Verse 12, we do not fight against flesh and blood. So he's telling you guys, if you get what he's saying, there is a spiritual battle, but also these guys were fighting with each other horizontally, you guys. Husbands and wives not getting along. <clears throat> and Paul tells them how to get along. Children not obeying their parents. Fathers exasperating their children. Slaves not obeying their masters. There's bickering going on within the family. And Paul says, they're not your enemy. That's the context. So he goes on in verse 10. He says, then he says, hold on. Then he says, finally, be strong in the Lord. And in his what? Mighty power. Look at me. Where do we get the mighty power from? When we're Christians, remember you guys have heard me teach this. We get the power from the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within me. The mighty power of God. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For your struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I wanna stop for just a second. A couple words I want you guys to look at. I love words in the Bible. That word struggle means this, you ready? Some will say wrestle. That word struggle or wrestle means this. You're in a fight, you're in a battle. And until you act like it, you're gonna get your hind end kicked spiritually wherever you go. You guys, we are in a spiritual battle and that word struggle literally means hand-to-hand combat. It doesn't mean we're struggling against each other, we're struggling against the evil forces of the dark world. That's hand-to-hand combat. That word against that he uses several times there, that word against means this, it's a military term, I love this. Against, we fight, we don't fight against, we fight the powers and all these different things. This military term means this. We resist the enemy. In the Greek, the word against means we resist the enemy. You understand? James chapter four says, if you submit to God, resist the devil, guess what? He will flee. So that word against literally means resist the enemy, hold your position, don't you give up ground to the enemy. You hold your position, and it, all goes as, it also has the meaning of this. You never, ever surrender to him. And that means you do not give in to temptation selfishly and fall into sin. So you, you, you resist the enemy, hold your position, and never surrender to him because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. It goes on to say this in verse 13 or verse 12. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, notice he says, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, or everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with a breastplate of righteousness in place, with the feet fitted with the gospel or with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which will, will extinguish, which, with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this, keep this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. Pray also for me, Paul says, he's telling the Ephesian church, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, man, if you ever want, if you don't have anything to pray about, I want you to remember this scripture. I want you to pray this for me. I'm genuinely asking you, if you never have anything else to pray for, I'm asking you to pray this scripture for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me so that I, may, I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains because Paul's in prison and under house arrest when he writes this and then pray that I might declare it fiercely as I should. If you don't have anything else to pray, pray those last two, 19 and 20. Pray it over my life, I'll take it every single time. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna take a minute, and I wanna go through these. It's gonna be brief, but I want you guys to see this. I got quite a few thoughts, and again tonight, I'm gonna try to stay to my notes. Because I keep thinking, yes, Dan, we're in a battle. Last week we learned who our enemy was, and it's Satan. Or two weeks ago we learned it was Satan, right? We learned who he was, how he works. He is defeated. We know what his destiny is. The lake of fire is his destiny. He is a defeated foe. As we stand here tonight and talk about him by the blood of Jesus Christ, he is a defeated foe. Okay, remember that as we talk tonight. Because the very first point in this is, the thing I want us to understand is, 
If we're in a battle, we know our enemy's not each other, we know who our enemy is now, how do we fight it? Tonight, we suit up. Gentlemen, look at me. Tonight, we suit up. Ladies, listen. Tonight, I want you guys to think about this. Tonight, you suit up. You don't take this anymore. If the devil's gaining ground in you, tonight's the night you stop. Tonight's the night he doesn't gain any more ground. Tonight's the night you start to do what God says. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Doesn't mean he's not gonna come at you because when the day of evil, when the day of evil comes, Paul says, we know how to fight. Very first thing that we know, our adversary. Unless we know our enemy, where he is, and what he can do, we will have a difficult time beating him. So we know where he is. He's the prince of the power of the air. We learned that the last time. We know what he can do. He can only do what I allow him to do. He can pick at me, but as a Christian, he cannot oppress me, or possess me. He can oppress me, but he cannot possess me. God will allow him at times to pick at me, get my, try to distract me, try to take me different directions. He will lie to my mind over and over again. We'll talk about that tonight. So we know what he can do. <clears throat> and so we should not have any difficulty standing our ground against Satan. The devil is the accuser. Satan means adversary. He is called the liar, a tempter, a murderer who comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's our adversary. The second point of this is tonight, the armor, verses 13 through 17. Since we are fighting a spiritual battle and spiritual enemies, we need spiritual armor to fight this fight. This isn't like putting your dukes up across from each other in martial arts. This is not the same thing. We have a spiritual battle that we're fighting, so we need spiritual weapons. The very first weapon is put on our girdle, uh, the belt of truth, or the girdle, it says in the Old Testament, put on the belt of truth. In my mind, this is like being in, <laughs> in a gym with weightlifters, which I'm not, obviously, by looking at me, but you get these big, brutal guys. I know a good friend of mine who just blew out his leg doing this, squats, but these guys, these big guys and gals, they'll get this weight belt, right, and they'll put it around their waist. Why do they do that? to protect themselves. Yeah, because, well, that's probably part of it. But they put the belt on, right? I'll let you tell those guys that. I'm not telling them that, okay? They put the belt on. Why, though? Listen to me. Why do they put that belt on before they go into battle, before they start lifting weights? To protect themselves. Every morning when we get out of bed in the morning, we should be putting on the belt of truth. And the belt of truth, to put it on the belt of truth, literally means this. I'll open up my eyes and I'll say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you that I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Thank you that my name is written in the book of life. I offer myself up to you today as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, whatever that is to you. That's the belt of truth because what you're doing, you're confessing truth that way no matter what it is. That's the foundation of our life in everything that we do. If you don't put on the belt of truth every day, you're gonna be lost. Because here's what Paul was doing when he's writing this letter. <clears throat> he is in under house arrest. And under house arrest, there had to be a Roman soldier standing close by him. And the Israelites were under, they were being oppressed. They were slaves to the Roman soldiers as well, to Roman, to the Roman Empire. So there were Roman soldiers everywhere. So all of this would have made a ton of sense to the Ephesian church. So Paul sees this Roman soldier standing here. And the very first thing a soldier would do is he would get up and he would put on his belt. Paul refers to the belt of truth. That's the very first thing that they put on. And all of their other weapons that they would carry would hang off of that belt. That's why he uses that example. And he talks about the belt of truth because Satan's a liar. He comes to control your mind. 
Every single time, Satan will lie to you, and we have, we have to know through Scripture what the truth is. But here's, here's an important part of this I really want you guys to get. Because in moments of your life, as you grow older, you're gonna run into things like this. Once the lies get into your mind and into your heart, once you start to believe the lies that the devil has planted in your mind and in your heart, and you give up on the truth of God, a, for a believer, all things will start coming to a train wreck at that time. Because you're literally going, you're starting to receive the lies of the devil, you're starting to agree with the lies of the devil, and you're forgetting the truth of God. So when you do that, you have to stop and go, no, no, I know what truth is. I've read the Bible, I know who God is, and he doesn't change. So I've got an opportunity to reject the lies. Putting on a belt of truth is like looking, at it, putting on a belt of truth is to be looked at as though you're believing the Bible. Look at me. <clears throat> Serious question. Be honest with yourself. You don't have to say anything out loud. Be honest with yourself. Do you truly believe the Bible? Do you really believe the Bible is the word of God? Do you really believe it's trustworthy? If you don't, you're gonna have a lot of trouble believing it's the truth of God. So if you don't, my challenge to you is find your leaders, find me, and we'll help you work through it, and I'll show you how to have confidence that the Bible is absolute truth with no doubts, no, no contradictions, none of that, but we'll help you through that if that's the case. Because I want you guys to be honest with yourself. I don't want you to just sit in here on a Wednesday night and go, well, yeah, I know it's true. And in and, and here, you're like doubting it. If you're doing that, don't do that anymore. Just come find out, do some investigating. Don't be a lazy Christian, come find out. And you'll find out that the word of God is true. And truth is not an idea or a thing. This is critical. Truth is not an idea or a thing. My truth doesn't matter. Everybody in today's world wants to live out their own truth, right? Their truth doesn't matter because their truth is their opinion. Our truth as Christians is a person. Jesus says what in John 14, 6? I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. He's the truth. It's a person. The second thing you see is put on a breastplate of righteousness. This was a piece of armor that was made out of metal plates or chains that the Roman soldiers would wear. Remember, he's talking about a Roman soldier's getup, and he's taking that, and he's putting it into a spiritual context. And this, these, this breastplate was made to protect the soldier's vital organs. So in other words, when the devil is shooting arrows at you and darts at you, what's he trying to get? He's trying to get into your mind and then also to shoot you into your heart to get you to start to doubt God. That's his whole deal, okay? Satan's attacks are on our hearts because that's the wellsprings of our emotion. And watch this. Satan will also, I don't know if you guys have ever had this happen, watch. Satan also wants to get to your heart because then he can start to make you question your self-worth. It can start to make you question, am I really worthy of anything that I've got? I'm, I see my personality, and then you get down, and the emotions overwhelm you, and then you have that flood of doubt, and you start hiding from everything, and you start to doubt yourself, and you're like, I don't think I've got any self-worth at all. I have no self-worth in me, by the way. Do you know that? I know who I am with and without God, and I want to walk with Christ, and it's in him I find my confidence. So when you start to have self-doubt, that is because the devil's trying to get you to doubt who you are in Christ. And this also symbolizes the believer's righteousness. This breastplate of righteousness is the righteousness that we have in Christ. Go read these scriptures later on, on your own, but um, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin. That was on the cross for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. I have no righteousness apart from Christ, none. 
I am not good outside of Jesus whatsoever, and the Bible makes that clear. Because of Christ's righteousness, I have that. Put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. This is such an awesome picture from a battle perspective. The Roman soldiers wore sandals that had hobnails, they called them in them, and it'd be like a, some sort of a cleat. Why do people wear cleats when they compete? Because it gives them better footing. They're stronger, their legs, they got their legs underneath them, and they can push and fight back on the enemy. When you watch two guys on a football field, two big old muscle men on the, on the line, they're digging in with their cleats and they're pushing against each other, aren't they? These hobnails that these Roman soldiers had in their sandals gave them the ability to stand strong against an enemy's attack. They would dig in with their feet and they would stay there. That's us. And I want you to get this, that we need to dig in on the gospel of peace. That's what we're doing. We're able to stand because we have peace in our hearts. Romans 5.1 says it this way. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Watch me. You will be able to dig in and stand your ground when you have the peace of God in your heart. When worry comes in, we don't have any peace. And that's why Jesus says, don't worry. You have confidence in me. You walk with me. And when you don't have peace in here, the peace that surpasses all understanding, you will begin to worry. And that worry will distract you from the truth of God. So we gotta make sure that we're watching and making sure that we have that peace and we'll be able to reign. We must have peace with God if we're gonna defeat the devil. That's one other thing. You gotta have the peace on the gospel, so when you see that gospel, the feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, I want you to see those cleats on your feet where you can dig in and you can stand your ground because you have that peace. Above all else, it says, above all, take up the shield of faith. This is an awesome picture as well. With this Roman soldier that Paul sees, a soldier used to carry the shield for extra protection. It was a large two by four foot type of a shield that was co coated in a leather coating, okay? And that leather was when the enemy would shoot fiery arrows at them, they would let them stick in there and they wouldn't burn anything and the shield wouldn't break down. The shield would be able to stand this ground. And the other thing about this watch, have you ever felt like in your, in your life, have you ever felt like there's a moment where you're just all alone? You're like, I'm, nobody's there. Nobody cares for me, I'm all by myself and I'm all alone and I don't know what to do. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You're not alone and there is hope. And those shields that Paul's talking about, that picture that he gives them here, those shields would actually lock into each other. So when a Roman soldier would stand next to another brother, a Roman soldier, their shields would interlock with each other so that they were able to link arms and stand against the enemy's attack. So if you feel like you're all alone, that's why you have the phone numbers of your leaders. That's why you have my phone number. That's why you have friends in Christ. When you feel like you're all alone in the middle of the night and you think all else has failed, it's not true. It's a lie from the pit of hell. You're not alone because you've got another brother or sister picking up and above all else taking up the shield of faith and that you make sure that you're not alone and you've got another brother and sister that will stand there with you and it's, all hope is not lost. In 1 Peter 5, 9, it says this. Peter wrote this to a persecuted church. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. I promise you, when you're going through the throes of life, somebody else is going through it just like you are, and it may be even worse. So praying for one another that we'll talk about in just a little bit is a very vital thing that I want you guys to be able to do. The faith mentioned here is not a saving faith. It's a living faith. 
See, there's different types of faith. The faith that saves is the gift of, free gift of God that no man shall perish. But there's an enabling faith as well that allows me or enables me to live out the Christian life. That's what Paul's talking about. Take up the helmet of salvation. This helmet was made out of leather and brass, sometimes bronze and iron. And this helmet referred to a mind controlled by Christ. Taking up the helmet of salvation looks like this. I get up every morning and I put this helmet on my head exactly like a Roman soldier. Why? Because I'm going out into a world that has a supernatural enemy that is trying to kill me and, and steal my relationship from God. So I put that helmet on my head when I walk out of the door. And this is a mind controlled by God. The believer who knows the Bible and studies the Bible, understands the Bible, has a mind controlled by God. In other words, when the enemy's lies come in, you don't believe them because, see, you can battle back with Scripture that we'll talk about in just a second. 2 Peter 3.18 says this, we are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in grace. Be stronger in the word. Be stronger as a Christian is how you go through this. Satan wants to attack your minds with lies just exactly like he did Eve in the garden. Did God really say? He told those guys not to eat from the tree of the, the knowledge of good and evil, right? He goes, Eve, did God really say? See, he wants to get you to question God's word. And then the last one is take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This word of God is rhema. There's two different words when it comes to the word of God. One is logos. That's the whole Bible. That's the entirety of scripture. This is called rhema. Because what this basically means, the sword of the spirit that Paul would have been looking at wasn't one of those big brave heart swords that you see on television. This would have been a hand-to-hand -hand combat sword that that Roman soldier would have carried on his side on that belt of truth, and that little sword would have been like a dagger, okay? And rhema is basically what Paul's getting at is verses out of the Bible. Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, for I know the hope that the Lord has for me, those kind of things. So memorizing scripture, you guys, is vital to a Christian walk. I know it's like, yeah, yeah, Dan, I know the Bible, memorizing scripture, no. Paul says to the Ephesian church and to us, I want you to take that dagger out and I want you to be able to stab the enemy with that dagger. And when you use the word of God, that's exactly what you're doing because to me, the word of God is like little drops of acid on Satan's skin because I hate the enemy and anything I could do to get to him. And this is the only offensive weapon that God gives us. All of these other weapons that you see in this are defensive weapons. This is the only offensive weapon that the Lord gives us is the, word, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, verses that you memorize in Scripture. So if you're not good at this, get good at it. Make yourself Scriptures up. Talk to your leaders. If you guys want to set, your, set some goals and memorize some Scriptures together, I think that would be an incredible thing to do. The better you know the Word of God the easier it will be for you to detect the lies of Satan and to fight back against the temptations that he puts before you to get you to sin. Go into your groups, talk about this stuff, be honest with each other, how you do with these weapons each and every day and how you're doing in the fight against the enemy that, we're, that we know that we have and we'll come back up in just a minute. Okay, if I can have you guys' attention back to the front of the room real quick, I'll get you guys out of here so you get home and do your homework. I want to talk about something we talked about at our table over here just for a second, okay? I want to give you guys a picture. This idea of the sword of the spirit, I really, I, I wish I had more time and I don't have enough. I may pick up on some of this later on. We'll talk about prayer next time we get together in detail, okay? But I want you to understand the sword of the spirit. So we talked about this at our table in small group. If I go out into the woods and I start chopping wood with my axe, what happens to my axe? It gets duller, doesn't it? And if I'm going to treat my axe right, what am I going to do? I'm going to sit down 
and I'm gonna sharpen my ax. And sharpening my ax takes what? Time, and it takes attention, and it takes intentionality, doesn't it? As you guys go out and you live your lives and the sword of the spirit is in your hand and that's the only offensive weapon we have and we'll call that your ax for a second, as you use your ax normally in life, it gets duller. So what I want you to see is are you sharpening your weapon before you go out for the day? And that's prayer and my quiet time with God and reading the word. I'm sharpening that word. I'm sharpening my ax every morning. That makes me more intentional, understanding that I need this weapon when I walk out of this door. Does that make sense to you guys? Because if you sit down and you do that and you sharpen that action, you watch somebody doing that, it takes time, it takes focus, you're intentional. When I'm reading my word and I'm praying, I might be listening to a little worship music and then I go out with my weapon sharpened and it's sharpened in here so when the devil tries to plant lies in my mind that he has access to, he doesn't get to do it. And I've got a weapon called the word because it says in Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart why? So that I might not sin against you. The word is so important to our lives, you guys, and it is the only offensive weapon God gives us. Now, I want to close with this thought, and it's in your bulletin. The full armor of God is a picture of who Jesus is to us. I want you guys to go home and read these scriptures, please. First thing is Jesus is the truth, John 14, 6. Jesus is our righteousness. See, every one of these are the weapons, the armor of God, you get it? Jesus is our righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Jesus is our peace, Ephesians 2.14. Jesus' faithfulness, faithfulness makes, makes it possible for our faith to happen, Galatians 2.20. Jesus is my salvation, Luke 2.30. And Jesus is the word of God, John chapter 1. He is your full armor of God. That's why we need him each and every day. And when we sit down and sharpen our ax and take that offensive weapon out into the world, we will not give in to the ways of the devil. Our life will be a lot more steady and certain as a Christian. Does that make sense to you guys? And you guys, you gotta know the devil has access to your mind exactly like we talked about last time. But I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you and sinning against God is believing the lies of the devil. And you don't have to. We're in a fight, folks. Now we know how to fight. Now we have armor and we have a weapon to do it with so we don't have to be afraid. And we fight from victory, not for victory, because our Savior has conquered death and Hades and evil. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good. Grateful for the night, Lord, and I just pray that you would commit, eat, commit the words that you've given me that I shared with everybody tonight, commit them to them, to their hearts as you have my heart. Because Lord, this battle, as I talked to somebody earlier tonight, you know, this battle, this mental and spiritual battle is so real in our lives. Help these students and these leaders to know how to fight. We've got the weapons, we know who we fight for, we know who, fights, who is fighting for us as well, because the battle belongs to the Lord. You've given us the weapons we need. May we each day put them on. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys, you are dismissed. Have a great night, everyone.